0: Welcome to episode 141 of Vegas Revealed. Are we embarking on a new era of Las Vegas entertainment? We're gonna chat all about it and explain what sparked this conversation.
1: Plus, Dana prepares to head out of the country for her first overseas trip since the pandemic started with some travel nuggets that you'll wanna hear.
0: And in this week's Vegas tips, an interesting museum and an underground speakeasy.
1: All that coming up on Vegas Revealed. But first, exciting news from our podcast sponsor. The Vegas Near Me app has officially launched, but here's the thing. You need iOS 16 on your phone in order to run it because it's so state-of-the-art, so get all that downloaded now.
0: Vegas Near Me prides itself on being an accurate and comprehensive resource of fun things to do or see in and around Las Vegas. Hey, Sean, remember the days when you'd need to use dozens of apps and websites to book a flight or a hotel, get a restaurant reservation, show tickets, directions?
1: Yeah, it was such a pain.
0: Yeah, now it can all be done within the Vegas Near Me app with more than 16,000 businesses and activities included.
1: Incredible. The list goes on and on what Vegas Near Me can do. Use our Vegas Revealed link that we've provided in our show notes and download it to your phone right now. It's taken six years and a
0: team of more than 40 people from around the world to develop Vegas Near Me. Download and don't forget, use our link. If it's fun to do or see, it's on Vegas Near Me.
1: Let's spin that wheel.
0: Welcome to Vegas Revealed, episode 141. Dana Roselli here with Sean McAllister. Sean, we're recording this a little bit early because I'm heading out of the country for the first time since the pandemic. I, I've been to London many, many times through the years, but I haven't gone in a while. And I, I don't want to say I'm not looking forward to it, but I haven't done the, like, out of the country, passport, all, right. all that, you know, airline situation yet. So... I'm getting ready to do that. So we're recording this a little bit early.
1: Well, I was going to ask you, are you excited for this travel experience, or is it something that that you're that's kind of been weighing on you a little bit?
0: Well, I think, you know, traveling overseas is always a little stressful. The one thing that eases my mind is I was able to find two nonstop flights. Oh, good. Now, I would have never considered anything else, but, when I went to look up airfare this time, I noticed there are not as many nonstop flights as there used to be hmm. before the pandemic. That's for sure. So it gets tricky because you're like, "Do I want to go from here to Dallas?" And I'm like, "No way, that just sounds awful." So I worked for a while to try and find a good price, and finally I did. And I'm taking British Airways nonstop both ways, which is great. And I got it for a little bit under a thousand dollars. Wow! I know. I added one teeny upgrade in there um, where you could be able to change your flight if you had to, because we own our own business. So I thought in case any emergency comes up, I need to switch it.
1: I thought you were going to say, I added one tiny upgrade. (laughs) I have a seat that lays flat, my own private bar.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not that. Um, But yeah, and so it came out to 1,072. Not bad, right?
1: That's great. One
0: bag included and one carry-on, all your meals, and two nonstop flights. Not bad. Not bad at well, all. So midweek to midweek was the sweet spot, okay. FYI. Everything else around that, um, like Virgin Airlines, was like in the 3000s. Jeez. Yeah, so it's a huge difference. So FYI on that one, um, I just wanted to let people know that I've got my AirTag on order. I've got a new one coming for my luggage, because if you didn't hear a previous podcast we did, do not travel without an AirTag, people. If you have an iPhone, obviously, um, because you can throw it in your luggage and that way, you know, and have peace of mind, your luggage is with you or it's not with you. Then you won't have peace of mind, but at least you'll know ahead of time to mentally prepare for when you get off the plane. Like, so if I go to look in my phone and look at the air tag and it doesn't say my luggage is with me as in like underneath the plane, cause it's in close proximity, I'll know it's not on the plane, but at least you can figure out where it is. I put an AirTag, I don't even think we updated this, with my friend's dog who traveled overseas because I was nervous and I wanted to make sure that he got there. I'm talking it pinpointed exactly where he was at most times, if not the vicinity. It's unreal, but it's such a great thing. And they're like 27 bucks on Amazon. So get an AirTag. Also, if anyone has any tips for me traveling back and forth to the UK, please, ideas at vegas-revealed.com. If you're like, hey, you get through the customs line quicker doing this or you do that, let me know. I always appreciate that. Other than that, everything surrounding the trip is already all set.
1: Well, it's good to have that peace of mind, especially when you're on a long trip like that. Um, So good. I'm glad that you're all set, ready to hop on the plane. Can't wait to hear about the trip when you're back. And also hear about the, the tips that, that people send in for you. And maybe you'll come back with even more tips. Yeah,
0: I'm sure I'll have my take on, on things. I have are, no doubt. <laughs> that went right and went wrong. <laughs> I, let's hope no, nothing goes wrong. But yeah, it should be good. I mean, I've done the, the trip many, many times before. So I'm fingers crossed.
1: We look forward to that. Something else we're looking forward to is what's being called a, a new era of Las Vegas entertainment. That's kind of the the meat of our Vegas revealed episode this week. And it all stemmed from a conversation that Dana and I had with the producers, the creative team behind the new show awakening over at win Las Vegas. And you can go back and listen to the episode when we talked about it, but this creative team is like the who's who of entertainment creators. Some of whom have been here in Las Vegas for decades and decades.
0: Yeah, and Awakening opens November 7th, so it hasn't actually opened, but um, Sean and I went to a breakfast where we learned all about the show, and this new show is going to be narrated by Anthony Hopkins. It includes dramatic choreography, technology, like creatures, a custom sound system designed to showcase the original music score in this 360-degree theater. So... It's huge, and when we were sitting there at this breakfast, uh, one of the people—I'm not sure if it was the producer or maybe the entertainment executive from The Win. Anyway, we were all chatting, and we said, "You know, this is a new era for entertainment," and we thought, "Okay, this is the next—you know." What were the previous ones? So then we all started discussing like the five eras of Las Vegas entertainment. And so that's how we came up with, you know what, this would be a good podcast topic because we all kind of agreed on those eras.
1: Right. And so history has kind of shown that every 15 to 20 years, Las Vegas entertainment undergoes a pretty seismic shift. There's a a different feel to the entertainment. And this really all started, the first era of Las Vegas entertainment was really during the birth of the casino and the birth of the resort town. And that was back in the 50s and 60s when there was the lounge era. That mm-hmm. was when you saw Frank Sinatra in the Rat Pack. That was when Joan Rivers was headlining mm-hmm. with her comedy act. And it was also the era when different entertainers who were performing at different properties would do popovers and get on stage at their colleagues show. Right.
0: Yeah. And when, when you say that, it reminds me when I interviewed Gladys Knight, she was telling me, I mean, that's what we did. Like when you finished your show, you were going, I mean, you would go well in to be like 1am and you'd pop, you know, up to the golden nugget and, and see Sinatra and, and everyone would compare their ticket sales. She said, we'd whip out, like, how'd you do tonight? How'd you do tonight? And, like, they would compare whose show did better. It was kind of, like, a fun thing that they did. But, yeah, or they would go and either sneak in and sit in the back and or go up on stage and actually make an appearance. So it was kind of a, basically, I feel like a time that everyone still to this day talks about. Yes. Like, wow, that must have been cool. And it, it is also something that some shows... Try to emulate, you know, we've had different shows recently through the last like 10 years or they say you never know who's going to show up and they're trying to be like that era.
1: But the difference is that you need to have all of these lounge acts performing in order to do that. And the lounge act has kind of gone away. We've talked about that in past episodes over the past couple years as Mm -hmm. we've looked at Las Vegas entertainment. So yeah, that lounge act era of the fifties and sixties was really the launching point for uh, what was to follow.
0: And what was to follow was Elvis Presley. It was a big deal. He was over at the international hotel, which was then the Hilton, which is now the Westgate. When I was reading about it, Sean, it was interesting because it said at the time the international hotel which is now the Westgate, was the largest hotel casino in the world. Wow. I know. And now it's just like eh, one street off the Strip. I live next door to it. It's kind of interesting, right? And then also Siegfried and Roy. And and what made them different is the fact that they were a huge magic spectacle, right?
1: Yeah, because we had uh, showgirl shows. We mm-hmm. had Follies Berger and Jubilee. Those were like the showgirl spectacles, but we hadn't really had an entire spectacle that was set around magicians and of course they had uh, Siegfried and Roy had their big cats that were involved in the show too so in 1987 is when Steve Wynn signed Siegfried and Roy on for their legendary run at the Mirage they originally signed a contract for $57.5 million for mm-hmm. five years. That was massive money sure. back in the 80s. And, mm-hmm. of course, they had performed in Vegas for you know several years, 15 years before then. So they were well-known. They were well-established and ready to just take off and be the magic headliners in Las Vegas. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So interesting. Cause now it just all seems so normal to us. We have so many magicians, right. But they really were. And I remember even when I moved here in 2004, I think I came to visit Las Vegas maybe a year before that. And then when I started kind of looking into, should I move there? Um, But I think it was like 2003. I just remember it was like, I mean, Siegfried and Roy was, was huge in 2003 even still. So, I mean like, They were just like everyone, if you came to Vegas, you had to see Siegfried and Roy. And then obviously, you know, previous to that, over at the International, Elvis was the act to go see. So it's definitely both of those performances were that time period.
1: Yeah, and they were big draws. Um, The next kind of era that we move into is more of a family-friendly entertainment era in Las Vegas. There is that time when the MGM grand had a theme park and you would walk in through the lion's mouth and see the wizard of Oz displays all around. And this is when the Mirage volcano was super popular and the pirate ships in front of treasure Island.
0: Oh Yeah, I know. Isn't that interesting? And then obviously circus circus had been there, but, um, and that's also when Mister, the show, the first Cirque du Soleil show, started on the st- strip, and that was over at Treasure Island.
1: It was, yeah. They custom built the theater just for Mister. It's
0: still there. <laughs> it's
1: still there. They, uh, we actually found out that they originally built the theater with the intention that the show at some point would leave, mm-hmm. and so the theater could be s- stripped down to the, you know, cement bleachers, new seats put in. Mystere hasn't left. Right. Still there, still going strong.
0: And also a family-friendly show. Right. When you talk about family attractions. I mean, because there are some Cirque du Soleil shows that, you know, are not family-friendly. That are more adult-oriented. <laughs> more adult-oriented, yeah. And so, yeah, that was that time. And I remember um, even after that, I think they tried to do a little bit of a push for more families coming to the Strip. That didn't work so well. But this era, it seemed to kind of fit what they were looking for then.
1: Yeah, and the, the holdover from that era really are the circ shows that are just so prolific, even today.
0: Mm-hmm. Then we have Celine Dion. All of a sudden, Caesars decides we're going to build the Coliseum and we're going to create this theater just for Celine Dion. And everyone was like, what? And she debuted her show, A New Day, which had more production than some of her shows after that. So she did a bunch of shows after that. But A New Day had dancers and costumes and this coliseum was built for Celine Dion.
1: It was almost like Celine Dion was in the middle of a Cirque du Soleil show. Mm -hmm. You know, Franco Dragone, the legendary show producer, um, put her show together Mm -hmm. and worked with Celine to create just this incredible, obviously a Celine Dion concert, but with so much more involved. And that really ushered in. That was the beginning of the new millennium around 2000. And Celine really ushered in a new era of headlining acts in Las Vegas.
0: Right. And it was like, wow, Celine's going to go and and perform and she's going to stay put.
1: Well, and that was a very risky thing at the time. Yeah. People thought at the top of her game is Celine Dion. Has she lost her marbles? Right. You know, for going to do this, and uh, people were making references since you know she was still riding high off of the Titanic theme song mm-hmm. back in the late '90s, and then people were like, "Ooh, Celine's show at the Coliseum, I think that's going to sink like the Titanic mm-hmm. did." Well, nope. No, no, no. People grossly underestimated Celine Dion's influence and what she could do because Celine is the one who paved the way for Britney Spears to mm-hmm. come here. And after Britney, we had Christina Aguilera. We now have, you know, Usher. We have Katy Perry, Carrie Underwood, Luke Br- people at the top of the game.
0: Yeah. Gwen Stefani. Are still
1: headliners, and DJs are rolled into that too.
0: Yeah, the DJ era was kind of mixed in there, maybe just like a little bit later. But there were,
1: you know, actually around that time,
0: just different DJs. And then I feel like we piled on more and more and more DJs over the years through that era. But um, still the same concept. Same concept, right. Yeah, that became popular. It's so interesting. And so that whole time period was just, you know, evolving in that kind of way. And then obviously people coming here, like Celine did, not in their retirement years, not like I'm coming to end my career here and I'm just going to move and stay put. And no, it's like I'm going to come and I'm going to do a residency and I'm going to be committed. But then also for a couple months, I might go tour and then I'll come back and do more shows. And, you know, and that's like you said, when, you know, a whole slew of other performers at the top of their game decided, well, I can do this too. And hey, I wouldn't mind not traveling all
1: around. Yeah, no and just, kidding.
0: Yeah just hanging out in Las Vegas for a little while. And even people with kids, they bring the kids. They're able to either rent a home or own a home or, you know, if they don't want to live in the hotel. So it's interesting. But yeah, that was definitely the next big era. And then we have now. And Bernie Human, who was sitting at the table with us, a manager to Siegfried and Roy, um, creating and, and consulting and having his hands in so many of our big shows... He was saying this is, and this is this is the new era. Awakening is going to be the new era. And this is going to be a show that you can only see in Las Vegas.
1: And that is the draw. That is the thing. And it's a very technologically advanced show. And I think that it is going to push the boundaries and make other shows either step up their game or, you know, have spark some... Creativity and have new types of shows evolve from what we see when Awakening debuts on November 7th over at The Win. Um, but it's also the era of sports tourism as well, with the proliferation mm-hmm. of pro sports teams here in Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, this is now a destination for the visiting teams and their fans to come here and watch the game. Yeah. Even though it's against a Las Vegas team, the visiting team comes with a pretty large contingent.
0: Mm -hmm. No, it does. And along with the sporting events, I call it like sports entertainment. We have amazing pre-shows and halftimes and period breaks, and it's a whole thing. It's a very Vegas sporting event. Right, and when (laughs) people
1: come to town for sporting events, there's obviously days around the sporting event that they'll be spending Mm -hmm. here in Las Vegas as well. So shows like... Awakening are going to be there to entertain them away from all the action on the field.
0: Right. So true. So hey, and shout out to Wayne Newton, who hits every one of these eras. He's still here in Las Vegas. And if we went way back to probably the what, the the 60s and 50s, yeah, Wayne was around then too. And I remember he was a
1: kid. Yeah.
0: And I remember when he was performing over, I think when I got here at the Stardust, which is no longer. Um, so stardust, that's where the resorts world is now. Isn't that crazy? I know. I don't even feel like I've lived here that, that long where all these chain? how could there be like hotels that were there and then gone and new ones on top of it? It's crazy.
1: I was thinking the other day about when I moved here in 2005, like there were days when I would just, when I was brand new to town, I would just get up early in the morning, get a coffee and walk up and down the strip just Mm -hmm. to just to experience it cuz I'd never really been in Vegas before and I remember walking through the boardwalk oh, hotel yeah. and casino which mm-hmm. was it's probably knocked down to make city center Lots of changes. Lots of changes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Things are different now. Yeah, and when we mention all the eras, I mean, there's not even, we're not even picking out specific. I feel like we picked out some specific examples, but it was kind right. of that feel, that vibe, that kind of entertainment what kind of stuck for a while, Yeah, you know, and what was popular then. So really interesting conversation. Uh, we thought we would share it with you. Um, but let's do some tips now. And we're actually going to stick with a little bit of pop culture in this one.
1: We were recently on assignment with our company, Insightful Media, to do some work over at the Atomic Museum, and when we were over there, we saw their their pop culture display and realized how ingrained atomic testing and atomic culture is with Las Vegas,
0: It was so interesting because I knew a little bit, you know, being in the news business and living here in Las Vegas, in Nevada for so long. But I learned so much at this museum. It's over near UNLV. Okay. So it's right near the Strip. And it's the Atomic Testing Museum. But there was a lot of exhibits that there is, I should say, because it's still up and running. And they're actually trying to attract more and more people and let people know about this. But they have like this whole pop culture exhibit that we learned a lot about. And it was so interesting to me that there were actually like atomic testing bomb...
1: Viewing parties. It's viewing
0: parties. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we were like, well, so like now there's like, you know, boxing and UFC parties and watch parties. But there were like watch parties and viewing parties. And people would stand on the roofs of hotels and watch this and they would pour drinks. And, and there were cereal boxes that had the atomic bomb. There was Miss Atomic Bomb. There was all sorts of culture surrounding this. And it was. It's just a really interesting museum that I wanted to put in tips today to make sure that everyone knows we have this. Go explore.
1: Yeah, and it's on East Flamingo, not too far off of the Strip, so an easy uh, Uber or taxi ride or Lyft. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in town visiting or if you're a, a resident, it's easy to you know get over there as well.
0: Yeah, and I wonder how many people even know. To, you know, if you don't. No, we had atomic testing here in Nevada.
1: <laughs> yeah, and a, a whole industry was built because of mm-hmm. the atomic testing here. So it is really cool. Uh, there's uh, some people who work over there who volunteer, who are actually involved in the work that went on at um, the Nevada test site. So there's firsthand yeah. information that you can that you can glean from the volunteers over there as well.
0: Yeah, it's and it's a large museum. It is. And they have a lot of stuff, real stuff. Some replicas, but mostly, you know, a lot of the exhibits are really taken from that time. So go check it out if you get some time. Hey, something you wanted to mention was the speakeasy over at the Mob Museum, because we were chatting, we are saying, maybe a lot of people don't know about this. It's an underground speakeasy inside the Mob Museum.
1: Right, and the Mob Museum also highlighting another era of uh, Las Vegas Mm -hmm. that is very storied and, you know, remnants (laughs) of it is now (laughs) resurfacing out at Lake Mead as the water level drops. You can go to the Mob Museum to hear all about those stories. But yeah, there is a speakeasy that is in the basement of the Mob Museum. It's open Monday through Wednesday, noon to 10, Thursday to Sunday, noon to midnight, um, which is really cool you have to get to get in though you have to go to the mob museum website in order to get the password to allow you in it's very in in speakeasy fashion you know it
0: is it is i was looking at like this will be different so it will change because we're recording this early but like this week's passwords fall guy um (laughs) you have to be 21 and over obviously to go but it kind of a cool place if you've never been first of all go check out the mob museum then remember you know go have a drink after. There's a full bar, cocktail menu. They have weekly live music. So it's it's really fun.
1: It is. So Mob Museum has a, a, a whole bunch, including drinks. Yeah. So we love that. And coming up next week on Vegas Revealed, we're hosting a, a dinner at Scotch 80 Prime over at the Palms. This is a, kind of the launch of a kind of an exclusive dinner party concept.
0: Yeah, we're asked to pass the plate. So we'll tell you everything that we did and how it worked. And also just give you kind of an update on Scotch 80 because it obviously closed for a long time because the Palms didn't reopen right after COVID started opening more and more businesses and casinos. Remember, it took a long time. So now Scotch 80 is back open. I haven't been there. Guess what? I rang in 2020 at Scotch 80.
1: Did you really? Yes,
0: that was where I, I was like, it's going to be a great year.
1: Wow. <laughs> I know. Wow. I have
0: pictures and everything. Um, <laughs> it was a fun night. Anyway, that's the last time that I've been there. And then we obviously had little tester bites and stuff when the palms reopened. Mm-hmm. They had to, But um, we're going to get a taste of all the chef's favorites. So we'll have to share with you of that menu what our favorites are.
1: Yeah. Coming
0: up next week.
1: Going to be a a great dinner. Also, um, a magician on the strip who's kind of been said to usher in the new era of magic on the strip as well, Shin Lim. He has a show called Limitless. It's over at the Mirage, which is the location where Siegfried and Roy performed for Mm -hmm. years. I recently had a great conversation with Shin Lim. He's super appreciative to be at the property where his magic idols performed and made famous. And his show is really unique. And I'm looking forward
0: to hearing about this because I hear so much about him and I haven't been yet. So I'm looking forward to hearing what you discovered. It was for a recent episode of Vegas on. We always like to wait until That debuts and then we can talk about it too.
1: Yeah. So we had a really great chat um, and you'll hear more about that next week. All right.
0: Hey, and don't forget, everyone, download the Vegas Near Me app. It is now available in the Apple Store. You need iOS 16 on your phone you got to get it. If you need to look up anything, say you want to find escape rooms, children's attractions, things to do with the family, uh strip clubs, marijuana dispensaries, all that in the Vegas Near Me app. They have spent years developing and researching. They have everything correct up to literally the minute, like as in like what hours things are open. I still look in maps on my phone. I went to some place yesterday said it was open, I got there, it was closed. Ugh, Vegas near me worst. has literally gone around to each place and they have the correct hours in there. It's a very accurate app. You want to download it. We have a link in our show notes. Click our link, please, and download it. It takes two seconds and you'll be pleased. And it's free.
1: So if you're planning your Las Vegas trip, you need Vegas Near Me to stay up to date on everything that is currently available during your trip. Or if you live here, or if you're already here and listening to us on your vacation, uh, you need this app. It's... A, an incredible companion to have right in your pocket and, and a, a great resource for um, to just to get the most out of your Las Vegas experience we love it
0: yeah definitely all right that's it for us we'll see you next week or you'll hear us next week on Vegas revealed episode 142 limo,
1: drive on through, the night, through the night the